You guys have felt it this past week, but it's fall. (laughs) And you know what fall means? It means football. And you know what else fall means? Leaves. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm waiting for all ours to fall so I can mow one more time, right? But it also, for me, means college basketball. (laughs) It starts up tomorrow night. I'm excited. Okay. As, as some of you know, I'm a huge Carolina fan, and I love rooting for UNC even when we lose. And one of the frustrating things for me as a Carolina fan, especially during football season, is I don't know which team is going to show up to the game. Is it going to be the number 10 team in the nation, or is it going to be the unranked team? Now, don't get me wrong, it's the same players who show up, (laughs) but uh, it it depends what players show up that night, what, what team is going to show up that night. But if I knew the outcome of the game while I was watching the game, it would help me as a fan deal with the ups and downs of the game. It would help me deal with the missed tackles and the fouls that were called, or in basketball, the missed shots that were taken. If I knew how the game was going to turn out, it would help me deal with the ups and downs. Like watching a game that you've recorded, you already know the score, you know that your team wins, and so when they miss that shot, when they miss that tackle, it doesn't impact you as much because you already know the outcome of the game. The future helps determine how you react and how you think here and now. Today, we are going to see how our citizenship in God's kingdom changes how we think and how we live here and now because we already know the outcome. We know what is ahead of us, and so it changes how we live and how we think here and now. We've been studying through Paul's letter, and we have seen that when we put our confidence in the in ourselves, in our flesh, we will always be disappointed. But when we put our confidence in Jesus, we can find joy for our journey. And then last week, we saw that we are all running in this race of following Jesus. And we said that we all run together, even though we all may be at different places on this race, we all may be walking or running at different speeds, we all run together. And we said that we must press on even when things get difficult. So friends, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Philippians. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table that you are more than welcome to uh, borrow one. Or if you don't own one, please take one as a gift from us. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Philippians is on the right side of your Bible if you're looking for it. It's in the New Testament, right after Ephesians, right before Colossians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Read along with me. Paul says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So let's pause there for just a moment. So Paul tells the Philippians that they are to follow his example. They are to walk after the pattern that they have seen in and through Paul. 
Now, we have seen through our study of Philippians some other examples. We've seen the example of Paul. We've seen the example of Timothy. We've seen the example of Epaphroditus. And we have even seen the example of Jesus. And if you'll recall back from our study so far, some of the things that we have seen in and through Paul are these. Paul is in chains for the gospel. Um, He says that he is being poured out like a drink offering for the sake of other people. He counts everything as lost that he may know Jesus. He forgets what lies behind and he reaches for what lies ahead. This is the example that Paul is telling the Philippians to follow. He's saying, the things that you have seen me do, do them as well. Paul says, as I follow Jesus, follow my example. And then he also tells us, he says, and watch out for others who you can also follow their example. Those who are living in the same way that Paul was living. You see, Paul wanted to give them real life examples of what it looks like for them to follow Jesus. They want, he wanted to show them in real life what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. As a kid, you probably played the game, follow the leader, right? Everybody play that as a kid? Uh, just three of us? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? And, and, and we all remember that game, right? It's pretty simple. We just had to do whatever the leader was doing right? If they walked over here, we walked over there. If they put their hands in the air, we put our hands in the air. If they did something silly, we were supposed to do something silly, right? We were supposed to follow the leader. Well, in us following Jesus, we need to follow the leader. Not if they're doing things silly or crazy, right? But as they follow the example of Jesus, we need to follow the example of others. And We need to be leaders for others to follow. We need to be leaders that are pointing other people to Jesus with our actions and with our words. In fact, this is what Peter tells us in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And then he tells us why. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits. They may bring honor to God in the day that he visits. Friends, we show with our lives what it looks like to follow Jesus. We set examples with the way that we think and speak and act, the way that we work, the way that we parent, the way that we spouse, the way that we are a neighbor. We show with our lives examples of what it means to follow Jesus. That's how we say it here at Journey Church. We say that we all go out and build authentic relationships with the lost to share the good news and communicate the good news, the gospel of Jesus with them. 
And friends, the best way that we can communicate the gospel of Jesus in a way that everyone can understand is through our authentic relationship, our real relationships with them. Because when we are in authentic relationships with other people, when we are in real relationships with other people, they will be able to see our lives and the example that we are living. They will be able to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. Not a perfect example, not a holier-than-they-are example, but they will see an example of what it means to follow Jesus. They will see that we live different, that we live, as Peter said, as foreigners and exiles because our citizenship isn't just in America. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And so we live differently here and now. We refrain from the sinful desires that are waging war against our souls. And then we are able to share the good news about Jesus with them with our words. And they see that our lives are backing up what our lips are saying. You see, our lips aren't just saying one thing and then our lives saying something else. They go hand in hand. We are telling them the good news about Jesus, and we are showing them that with our lives changed. And when God opens up those opportunities, we share the good news of Jesus with them. But friends, not only do we need to be examples for others to follow, pointing people to Jesus, as Peter tells us, but we must also look for examples for us to follow. All of us need to look for faithful men and women that we can learn from, that we can have them walk alongside of us and teach us and show us what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus. We need to find others for us to follow. As Paul tells us, we need to keep our eyes open for those who live as Paul did as examples of the gospel. In fact, Paul will write to another young preacher, Titus, and give them some great instructions about what, they, what the, he needs to teach and what people need to do to live as examples for others. He says, he tells older men that they are to be temperate and worthy of respect and self-controlled and of sound, sound in faith and in love and in endurance. And he tells older women that they are to be reverent in the way that they live and not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but they are to teach what is good and show younger women how they are to live. And he tells younger men that they are to be self-controlled. And then he says, in everything, so for everyone, whether you're young or old, a man or a woman, and all of us, we are to set an example by doing what is good. Friends, we need to look for others and follow their example. We need to find faithful men and women that we can follow their example. And friends, we live in a day and time when we can pull out our phones and we can find videos and find other people. But friends, let me tell you, nothing beats having a face-to-face -face relationship with somebody else that you can learn from their example. And nothing beats you having a face-to-face -face relationship that 
others are able to learn from your example. This is what it looks like to disciple each other. This is what it looks like for us to to live as followers of Jesus and to teach other people what it means and to show them what it means to follow Jesus and for us to learn. It all comes back down to our relationships with other people. We need to follow the leaders of others in front of us and we need to be leaders for others to follow. And then Paul, he's told us to watch out, to look out for examples that we can follow, but then Paul tells us to watch out for something else. Because just as it was in Paul's day, it is today, there are enemies of the cross. Look at the next verse in verse 18, Philippians 3. Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, Paul isn't warning the Philippians of atheists. He's not even warning them of people who are protesting against the church. These aren't the enemies of the cross that Paul is referring to. Paul is telling the Philippians that they are to watch out for people who claim to be followers of Jesus who are actually enemies of the cross. You know, so often we get worked up about, uh, we get so worked up about certain things being done in our society, whatever the hot button topic of the day is. And, And those are things that we should be concerned about as followers of Jesus and making a difference in our community. But I think Paul hits the nail on the head as he talks about the enemies of the cross. They aren't just those outside the body of Christ, but they are those who are claiming to be in the body of Christ, who actually are doing more damage for the name of Jesus. Because this is the attitude that they have. Look at the next verse in verse 19. He says, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. It's those who are claiming to be following Jesus, and yet their end is destruction. These are the people that Paul is telling us to watch out for here. It's people who have either never submitted themselves to God in the first place, or who have put their trust in God and have stopped putting their trust in God. And their end is not the resurrection to eternal life, but their end is destruction to eternal death. It's those in those wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus warned us about, whose God is their appetite, their stomach. They may think that Jesus is their savior and they may even claim that he is their Lord, but their lives are still ruled by their own evil desires and not by the desires of God. They are not looking for what God desires. They are only looking out for what they desire. They say, Jesus, I want you to take me to heaven, but I still want to control my today. That's what it means when we say that we want Jesus to save us, but we still want to be Lord. 
But friends, we can't have one without the other. Jesus must be our Savior and the Lord of every part of our life. I want you to take me to heaven, but I still want to live how I want to live here and now, just like my old self. They believe that if it feels good, then it must be good. <laughs> it must be right. Their God is their stomach. These are the enemies of the cross that Paul is warning us of. Their minds are not set on godly things. Their minds are set on earthly things. They aren't reaching for what lies ahead. They aren't yearning for the hope of eternity in Jesus. Paul writes to another young preacher, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he tells him this, verse, um, verse 3. He says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, their God is their stomach. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Friends, in our culture, in our time with technology, it, it, you can find anything that you want to hear. And if somebody disagrees with you, all you got to do is keep scrolling to the next person until you find somebody who tells you what you want to hear. And, and in our culture, if somebody disagrees with us, then they are wrong and evil and I'm going to do away with them. I'm going to have no contact with them at all just because they don't tell me what I want to hear. It's amazing that Paul was writing about our day <laughs> back then. And I'm sure that all of those who have gone before us could read Paul's words and see the exact same things that we are. That people will turn aside from the truth and turn aside to myths. That people will gather for themselves teachers who will only teach what they want to hear. Friends, not only can we quickly find people to teach and talk about what we want to agree with us, we can also find churches with people claiming to be preachers who stand up and teach only what people want to hear, what their itching ears want. Friends, our desires are evil. Our appetites are for the things of this world. And when we start following our own desires, when we start letting our stomachs make decisions for us, we are in trouble. True enemies of the cross of Jesus are those who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, but who don't live like Jesus is Lord and Savior. True enemies of the cross are those who claim to be Jesus' followers, but who have never allowed Jesus to transform their following. True enemies of the cross are those that say that they walk with Jesus, but when you look at their feet, they're only following their own footsteps and not Jesus's. Here at Journey Church, we say that we grow by studying the Bible together. God's word is our guide for how we are to live. And we don't just grow in knowing it, but we grow in obeying it. 
We are transformed by who Jesus is and what he has done. And friends, when we follow the example of faithful men and women, and when we are living as examples for others to follow, when we aren't being led by our stomachs, and we are following the desires of God, we will walk and live and think differently because our citizenship is different. And that's exactly what Paul tells us in these next verses, verse 20. Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From there, uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Friends, our citizenship is in heaven. Or as Peter says, we are foreigners and exiles here and now because we don't walk as enemies of the cross, but we walk as citizens of the kingdom of God. We walk as Paul walked. We live our life here and now with hope, hope of eternal life, eternal citizenship with God. And we eagerly await our savior to return Jesus Christ waiting for him to transform our humble state to be conformed to his glory in and through the resurrection. But as we wait, we don't wait and twiddle our thumbs. We aren't just sitting back waiting for Jesus to return, doing nothing, becoming busybodies. No, we eagerly await. The Greek word that Paul uses here that we translate as eagerly way actually means active anticipation. To actively anticipate the return of Jesus. And this is how we describe it here at Journey Church. We say that we joyfully, every single day, joyfully give God the best of everything that we are and everything that we have. Every single day. This is how we actively anticipate Jesus's return. This is how we eagerly await. We are every single day giving God the best of everything that we are and everything that we have because we are trusting that Jesus is all that we need because we are being transformed by who he is and what he has done. Friends, we are living here and now with our hope of our eternal citizenship in God's kingdom. But that citizenship doesn't just start later. It starts here and now. And it continues for all eternity. Our hope in eternity changes how we live and think now and what we do now. Our destination always changes how we journey. Where we are going always changes how we get there. (laughs) When we fix our minds on our destination, it changes how we live here and now. We see a great example of this in the Old Testament. In in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, you probably are familiar with some of these verses 
You know those verses, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might, right? Uh, But the reason that we have these verses is because Israel was getting ready to go into the promised land, and God wanted to prepare them that they were to live as his chosen people in the land that was promised to them. And so if they were going to live that way in the promised land, they needed to live that way here and now in the wilderness as well. And the Israelites, they had been set free from Egypt and slavery, but they are wandering in the wilderness. But they were still living and thinking and acting like they were enslaved, even though they had been set free. They were still following the desires of their stomach, even though God had set them apart as his chosen people. Sound a little familiar, what we read in Philippians? In fact, Moses had already interceded for the people on a number of occasions. And in fact, they what should have been just a couple of month journey had turned into 40 years because they followed the desires of their stomach and did what they wanted to and weren't living as God's chosen people. And so God, as the people are getting ready to enter into the promised land, God says, all right, guys, I want you to listen up because you are getting ready to go into the land that I promised your fathers. You are my chosen people, and so now you need to start living like it. And so this is what he tells Moses to tell the people in Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. He says, these are the commands and decrees and the laws of the Lord your God that he has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan to possess so that your children and their children after them will fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. God was wanting to remind the people of Israel who they were and how they were to live. He had already given them the laws and the commands about how they were to live as his chosen people. And so he is reminding them that they need to start living like that because they're getting ready to go into this promised land. They needed to live this way even in the wilderness. But this is the why. And the why always comes before the how. When we focus first on the how and not on the why, we will always lose sight. When we focus on the how first, we will either become disillusioned with following Jesus or we will become arrogant thinking that we can save ourselves. So it's essential that we focus on the why before we focus on the how. This is why God tells them, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. It always starts with who God is. And then is the command, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. Talk about his commands as you sit down, as you walk down the way. Teach them to your children and live according to them. This is how they were to live, even in the wilderness, because they were going into the promised land, all of which was because of who God is and who he had called them to be. They were God's chosen people because their citizenship was in Israel. Who we are and what we do always starts 
with who God is. The Lord is our God. He is one. And so, because of who God is, we, therefore, are to love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Friends, we are actively waiting for our Lord and Savior to return. We are living here in the wilderness, but our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And so our lives should look like our citizenship is in the kingdom of God, not as enemies of the cross, but as citizens of heaven, being transformed here and now, all the while waiting eagerly, actively to be transformed completely in the glory of Christ. Our destination determines how we journey. Our destination determines how we think and act and live here and now. So friends, let me ask you, what's your eternal destination? Is it destruction? You can tell by looking at your life and looking at the things that Paul has listed for us. Is your God, your stomach, your own desires? You can tell by what you brag about. You can tell about bragging about the shameful things that you have done. You can tell by having your mind set on earthly things. Friends, is your destination destruction? I want you to know this morning that Jesus has given his life to change your eternal destination. So won't you come today and allow Jesus not only to change your destination, but to change your journey here and now. Come and let him change your citizenship. The Bible tells us that our destination, our citizenship changes to God's kingdom when we by faith repent of our sins and put those sins to death by meeting Jesus in baptism. This is where it starts. This is where we start to be transformed by Jesus. So won't you come today and let Jesus change your eternity. For those of us who already have, I want you and to encourage you to look for men and women who are faithful to God. Men and women that you can follow their examples. Not perfect examples, but find other men and women that you can walk side that can walk side by side with you through your life and teach you and show you what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And friends, those men and women may be sitting right here in this room with you today. And if your destination has already been changed by Jesus, not only do I want to encourage you to find others who can, that you can follow their examples, but I want to encourage you to be examples for others to follow. Let's be a people who are pointing our families and our coworkers and our classmates and our neighbors, and our friends to Jesus because our eternal destinations have been changed and transformed by Jesus. And so our lives here and now are being transformed.
because our destination in our lives are transformed. We can find joy for our journeys here and now. We pray with me. Father, we thank you for the examples of Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and Jesus, and we thank you for the example of the men and women who have already been in our lives and who have gone before us and who are going before us now, setting examples for us to follow and what it looks like to to live as citizens of your kingdom, God. Father, I ask that you would help us to see those men and women. Help us to, as Paul says, keep our eyes open for them that we may follow their example. Father, also help us to be examples for others to follow. Help us to be examples of the gospel. Help us to show other people with our our actions and our living, not that we are perfect, but, but that we are changed. Not that we are perfect, but we are different. We are foreigners and exiles living here because our citizenship has been changed. Father, we thank you that we know how this ends. We know the outcome. Because knowing the outcome changes how we journey. Knowing the destination changes how we act and live. So, Father, help us to be examples for others to follow. We thank you that you have changed our destination because we are deserving of destruction and eternal death. But we thank you so much that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave his life to pay our price and to change our eternities. Father, if there are those who are here this morning who have never allowed you to to transform their eternities and to transform their here and now, would you move them and call them to yourself today? Would you lead them to put their trust in you and to, to repent of their sins, to meet you in baptism today? Would you call them to yourself? For those of us who have, would you... Remind us as we move in this to this time of communion, would you remind us this morning of not only the example, but the sacrifice that your son Jesus has made on our behalf to change our eternities. We thank you for him and we ask all of this in his precious name, amen.